Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, episode number 93. And today we are talking about the difference between attachment and commitment when it comes to your goals. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Alrighty, everybody, it is time for the podcast. Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope everybody is having a completely epically awesome Thursday and my it's telling me I'm live and yet my picture has disappeared so boy do I really hope I'm live uh, hey Andrew do you think you could go somewhere and check for me <laughs> radio then boy I love Facebook live so awesome because I have no picture of me so that's cool uh, but it does um my da, 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 event logs it's telling it's telling me I'm live so we're gonna go with it all right so welcome up my friends and right there you saw an example of um, what it looks like <laughs> on what we are talking about today so um, we are uh, we are here with the um, the next episode of the podcast and today we are talking about attachment versus commitment. But first, and as always, I kind of want to make a couple announcements. So uh, the first one is that if you are not in the power group, why not? Because there's no better place in the entire universe to grow and scale your food business. You get so much in the power group. You get to work with me one-on-one. You get uh, Hassip training, you get all sorts of hassip training. Like right now, on um, at three three thirty in the afternoons, I am um, doing intro to hassip for people who need to actually pass an audit. We're having a ton of fun. So if that's you, even if honestly, even if you're meat and poultry, there's so much good information about how to actually pass an audit in this that you are gonna wanna book a call and sign up. So, and then of course, for the power group, um, you know, I've, I, we, it's 5K for 90 days. And I am so sure that if you show up and like literally show up, come to the Zoom calls, do the homework, all that sort of stuff, um, that you are going to get massive results that I offer a money back guarantee, guys. Uh, um, and it's pretty amazing. I, I also want to say that if you are a veteran, I, I offer um, the power group um, in completely electronic format um, as a um, veteran's product for the price of pay what you think it's worth. Okay. There are so many of us that have already given so much that I am 110% comfortable giving back to my fellow veterans um, in that way. And that's um, that. So just get in touch. We do all of this by booking a call and I will put the link in the, um, in the show notes and I will put it here in um, the, it's in the proofing box. It's pretty easy 
Uh, it's pretty easy to find, but I'll put it here for those of you who are listening live. And that brings me to, are you a part of the proofing box over on Facebook for those of you who are listening to this on the podcast? Um, because that's where I record this. I will be doing office hours after, uh, after this, and you can catch that, uh, on the, on the recording on, um, on Facebook. I don't think we actually end up posting office hours to the, to the podcast. And today we've got all sorts of good questions about nitrites and nitrites and dry cured sausages, which I live and breathe. <laughs> so, um, other than that, we are settling in here in our, um, in our, uh, house, or, well, I guess it's our temporary rental in Ohio, and my kids are learning about city life in Cleveland. It's pretty awesome, and I'm going to give a total shout out to Ohio City Provisions, without whom I think I would not be surviving. Just saying, so if you're in Cleveland, go give my friends a, uh, give my friends some love. Um, they have the best meat and the best dairy. <laughs> so, and they don't even pay me to say that. All right, so then, so then I want to dive into what we're really talking about uh, today. And that is uh, this idea of being attached versus being committed. And when you are attached to a goal, I want to go over what that means versus being committed to a goal. And oftentimes, what I find is you don't know, or at least I don't know, if I'm attached versus committed to a goal or an idea until it's like almost after the fact. And what do I, what do I mean by that? So when we... When I decide to set a goal, so let me tell you about, let me first start with my goal setting like process. So we do what's called radical goals around here. And I have a whole goal setting process and I have it in my workbook for the, um, for the power group. And I came to this idea of radical goals and I, I may even have a podcast on it. And if I don't, I'm definitely recording one. But I came to this idea of radical goals because there are lots of different ways to approach and think about goals. And they, there are, there are tons of people out there who talk about goal setting. But what I find a lot of people do is we have what I call the high achiever goal cycle, which the short version of that is you, we, a lot of us a long time ago learned um, to be very outward focused on, on how people perceive us and, and focused on um, what other people think about us and getting affirmation about whether or not we're doing a good job from other people. Okay. This happens when we're kids. This is like, kind of the way we raise our children, right? And they become very outward focused. And so what then happens is, is that we learn that we get affirmation from meeting a goal and we then translate that into feeling good when we set a goal because we have this anticipatory affirmation that we're gonna meet it 
because a lot of us work really hard and are very familiar with the hustle for meeting our goal. And so we get, so we feel good when we set a goal and we want to hold on to that feeling good. And that's human and it's totally natural. But the question becomes then, are you attached to the goal in sort of an, an, an unhealthy way or are you committed to the goal? And like I said, a lot of this is evident in hindsight. And it gets very difficult when we start naming very specific goals. It gets hard to say, am I attached or am I committed when you've got like a dollar revenue number per year, right? It's really easy, like it's super easy for me to create all the evidence in the universe that I am committed to re-regionalizing food infrastructure. I am committed to helping smallholder food businesses grow and prosper and profit and really help, like really helping their, their, their owners and executive teams do the things that they need to do to build amazing businesses that build our economy, right? I have a ton of evidence over the past, you know, like frankly decades of my life um, that that is what I am committed to. I am committed to the transformational power of smallholder food businesses. But guys, like transformational power of smallholder food businesses, who the hell doesn't feel good about that? Like that's easy to commit to. And I say that as the overarching commitment of my, my business life, right? Super easy to commit to that because it feels really, really good. And you absolutely have to start there. But you know, I compare it to my marriage, okay, and I say this with Andrew in full, full view as he cooks lunch for everybody. You know, we've been married 14 years now, okay, um, and being married for 14 years, six pregnancies, three live births, lots and lots of animals, houses, coronavirus, the, um, the, um, you know, the, the, the great recession, all of the things that Andrew and I have lived through since we got married, since we met each other and we got married, uh, you know, that's frankly commitment. That's commitment on his and his and my part to each other, like real specific individuals. And when you look at attachment versus commitment, my question for you is, is in your business, how granular do you let yourself be? Um, okay, because it's really easy to be attached to the idea of growth and scale. It's real in the same way. It's really easy to be, to 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 
um, be attached to the idea of marriage. It's much harder to be committed to those things because you know what commitment takes? It takes feeling foolish, okay? It takes feeling like a moron. I, before I did this, I just sent out a whole bunch of information about financing for the locker, okay? And folks, I am committed to those locker systems. I have picked my family up and moved to Ohio. I am so committed to those locker systems. I've had a dozen people tell me, why would you leave Maine for Ohio? And we have lots and lots of good reasons, and I'm so thankful that we moved. Um, and... That, my friends, is commitment because I know the locker changes lives. And I am committed to my life changing through the locker. I could then be attached to the individuals who are buying, right? I could be attached to their ways of thinking. I could be attached to how much money I'm going to earn from them. I could be attached to a lot of different things. Um, but instead, I really work on my brain and I create commitment and I tolerate discomfort. Okay? And that's really, really the difference. Your you know that you are in attachment when you have the energy of a 12-year-old with a crush, okay? Like, you got to be with that person. You got to be with your goal. You know, you got to be constantly doing, as I do, profit algebra, right? And be being, like, really, really attached to the numbers or being really, really attached to, to that customer, you know, oh my god, if I land that customer, it'll all be okay. Um, um, that's not commitment, that's attachment, because what happens if that customer doesn't come through? Are you attached, are you attached to that customer, or are you going to be committed to the end result of the transformation? Because at the end of the day, all of us can choose the work that we want to do in the world. And the question is, is are you going to allow that work to transform you? In my case, you know, am I going to allow the locker to change my life? Without the locker changing my life, it's never going to change anybody else's life, right? I have to be my first best customer and I have to be committed to my own self and my own growth and not attached to what that looks like. Because if I knew what it looked like, I would already be selling millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of lockers, right? And so you can tell when you're in attachment versus commitment by your willing to look foolish and do the work anyway, okay? When you're in attachment, you don't do the work. You like hold it like the object of your affection. You hold the object of your desire, whether it's a million dollar business or um, it's a, 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 another customer or somebody to run your QA system or somebody to run your slaughter floor, right? You're afraid of that person or that goal or that thing versus being committed to 
And instead of shying away from it, turning to it, embracing that foolishness, that, that af being afraid that you look like a moron and doing it anyway, right? When I, you know, we have this funny story in our marriage. Um, Andrew and I met at a, um, uh, at a picnic before my friend's wedding and he knew the dad and I knew the daughter. She and I went to school together and the dad and Andrew played trombone together. And, you know, we, I mean, honestly, it was pretty as, as close to love at first sight that most people ever get. And, um, Andrew, this is, this is hilarious. Andrew gave me his phone number. Okay. And he gave me a seven digit number. Now we were in this, in, in, in New Jersey where he lived, I was spending the summer in Colorado. Um, and I lived in Georgia cause I was still in vet school. Uh, and he gave me a seven digit number. And of course I had a cell phone and he had a brand new cell phone and he gave me a seven digit number. You know where I'm going with this, right? So, um, said seven digit number didn't include the area code. And so I kind of had to guess and to make it worse, like we were in an area where it kind of had, there were, there were a couple of area codes to choose from. And so, I had this piece of paper with his phone number on it and I had to make a guess at the area code. And I remember I was, um, so we had met at this pre-writing picnic and I was at uh, the wedding the next day to which Andrew did not go. Um, and <laughs> I was trying to, um, I was trying to figure out like where the heck he was because I did really think he was gonna be there. And I wanted to dance with him for heaven's sakes. And so I, uh, I was standing in, I was standing in like the, the front hall of the restaurant where the reception was. Um, and, um, I trying to figure out how to call him. And I was like, I have to call him. I just have to call him. And you know that when you have like that first, you know, like rush of new relationship energy and you feel like a moron, um, well, I felt like a moron and I didn't have his area code. Um, and so I looked at the area code of the restaurant and I was like, I guess I'll try that one. And it turns out that was the area code I needed. But that was lucky, 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 or the universe guiding me. Take your pick. Uh, <laughs> but that was being committed, uh, right? That was braving, feeling foolish, and doing it anyway. So what is a parallel story for you in your business? What could you do today as you're listening to this podcast or right after you listen to this podcast that would be that, um, that would be that level of going all in, okay? What does it look like to maybe treat your business as an entity that is going to be your partner or that you want it to be your partner, right? And braving looking foolish in front of the business, if you want to like think of the business as like a, a person, braving looking foolish in front of your potential customers, right? 
that takes commitment. It takes tolerating fear and discomfort and failure in service of creating the vision in the universe that you are looking for, right? And often when I am trying to figure all of this sort of stuff out, I go through my water, strive, and light protocols. So let's walk through one of those and I'll use a real life example. Um, and so I was, you know, writing in my, writing in my journal the other day and um, I am developing, what I wanna do is I want to um, create a million dollar business. And more than create a million dollar business, I'm gonna teach other people how to create million dollar businesses. And I'm already working with people on, on creating their, their consulting businesses. Um, and of course, if you're interested in that, book a call, um, because I have, a, I have a process for doing that. And, you know, I mean, I've helped multiple people create $100,000 businesses. It's, you know, I know it sounds like a big deal, but it is what it is. What it is. It's, work I, it's work I enjoy here in, in the food and agriculture universe. Um, and I am looking at what does it mean to develop this million dollar business and outrageous customer value to go to create this million dollar business. And one of the, one of the things that I, I decided is, is I want to understand and enact small changes that really do drive big results. But I know I don't know what those big results are yet. I do know what a lot of those small changes are. So if I look at a water protocol, what do I want? I want to see the small changes from my customer's vantage point. When I decide that I want that, because that is something I can, we can all decide what we want. When I decide that I want that, then my, the A in water is, is how do I act? Well, I post on Facebook over on the proofing box. I look at what other coaches are doing. I look at how I interact with the websites of my coaches. Um, I ask people, I talk to my customers, right? Uh, what would be super helpful? And um, how do we, um, how do we, translate that into an incremental change that makes a big difference. When I turn and face the truth of my feelings, I have to tell you, I feel like it's not a terrifically positive feeling, okay? Now, there are those who will tell you that your business only grows when you feel really good about it, which frankly I call bullshit on, so. I think your business grows 50% um, of the time, you're gonna feel awesome about it. 50% of the time, you're gonna feel negative about it. Um, but when I'm developing the capability to see those small changes and enact them, um, I am, it is actually exciting because I know the negative emotion that's going to come um, is going to transform me and that's fine. Because you know, doing small changes on your website can be super tedious. Okay, um, I say this in front of Andrew, who's going to be the one who does it. <laughs> and um, and so what what is the truth of my feelings? 
the truth of my feelings is, is I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm, I know that I have the potential to dive into confusion over it. And, and what evidence am I building? Well, the evidence that honestly that I'm building is, is I have a team behind me. Um, and I can help them organize to do most of the work, okay? And that it, my job will be to be in belief around that this will make a really big difference. And then it will, in fact, make a really big difference because, as I always say, your thoughts create your results. So then that's the evidence that's eating water. And then what results am I going to have? Guys, I'm going to have the results of small changes that make a really big difference. Um, so that gets us to, that's a result that I want. That's truly a result that I want. I will then have the capability to look at, to find those small changes and to change them. So then we go into strive and the problem statement is, is, you know, well, why haven't I already made that result? Why haven't I already made all the small changes to make, you know, to create a million dollar consulting business? Um, and am I, Physically safe, so the essence drive is safe. Am I physically safe to do it? Well, yeah, I am. Am I financially safe? When I did this, I was like, oh, wait, I'm afraid of how much money I'm going to have to spend. So, no, not really. Am I emotionally safe? I am afraid of looking like a moron, right? I'm afraid of changing the website and have it being more confusing because Lord knows we've all been victim of that. Microsoft, I'm looking at you. Um, so, I'm, I'm afraid of that. Am I trained? Yeah, I am pretty trained. I don't know how much more training I could get to like learn how to listen to my customers. I'm sure that there is, but I'm pretty trained in that. The R is respect. Do I, and this is a super interesting one, do I, why don't, why don't I have that result yet? Do I respect myself enough to know that I'm the exact right person to get this result? I'm working on it. Um, do I respect my customers to know that they're capable of change no matter what? Yeah, I really do. Um, and do I do I like respect how my employees are gonna are gonna work on this? And I really do. I probably place more stock in what they think than in what I might think. Um, so that's the R. Have I invested time, talent, and treasure in making small changes? And the answer here is no. I go for big changes because that's what we hear. We're like, burn down the house, right? No. What if right, my next best thing is making small changes that make a big difference? So no, I really haven't invested the time, talent, and treasure in doing small things. Um, do I value doing this? Yeah, I really, really do because I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens when I put a million dollars of value out there into the universe and I value the change that that's going to bring about in me. And am I empowered to stand in fear and discomfort and failure to make this million dollar business? Hell yes. And I am empowered to teach other people how to do it as well. Um, because that is the key to the universe is, is, is increasing your tolerance for fear and discomfort and failure. And that's how you know you're committed is how much tolerance for fear, discomfort and failure do you have, right? And then we do a light protocol. And if I look around at myself when I'm, when I'm in here saying, okay, I'm going to do these small things to, to create this million dollar business. And I look at myself uh, and I look at 
at, at what I'm doing, like literally what I'm doing. I'm really committed to this, guys. I'm, I'm self-coaching out loud to you on the podcast. How does this sit with my intentions, with my integrity? I really believe that I am being led by the light and vision that is my highest intention to do this. And that light and vision will show me those small changes that will make a super big difference. Is doing this gentle? Yeah, small changes are more gentle than big honking ginormous changes. Is it helpful? Yeah, I really do think it's gonna be helpful. And the T in light is trust and credibility. Does this build a trust and credibility? And the answer is yes, okay. With all of those questions asked and answered, then what I get to do is I get to look back and say, okay, is this something I really wanna embark on? And the answer is yes, I'm committed. And I know that I'm committed. If you aren't, you're gonna find it out by asking all those questions, right? If you are instead attached, when you do this question, you're, when you do these questions, it's not just gonna feel uncomfortable, you're gonna avoid doing them at all, okay? And you're gonna feel, you're gonna be gritting your teeth and you're gonna, it's just not gonna feel good, okay? And so maybe stop and do something else. So that's, that's really how I look at attachment versus commitment, okay? So go and look, do, do like a survey in your life. What wealth results, what community results, what compliance results are you attached to versus committed to? All right, that's what we got for the podcast today. Thank you all so, so very much for joining me and I look forward to talking with you next week. All right, office hours, my friends. I love office hours. And so um, today we are going to, um, today we are going to um, talk about my friend nitrates, nitrites, uh, the big lie. Um, and what does it mean to do curing without nitrates and nitrites? So, um, there is, I have like a ton of information about this. I did a, uh, uh, what's it called? A, a, a live webinar over on um, the salt cured pig. So for those of you who do charcuterie, I highly recommend growing and joining us over on the salt cured pig. I am an admin over there. I answer a ton of food safety questions on how not to kill people with your charcuterie over on the salt cured pig. And I have a uh, webinar over there called What is Salt? And I cover a lot of this in What is Salt? But here's the deal, okay? You can, under USDA inspection, make charcuterie in any way that you want as long as you do the following. Control for trichinellosis, control for toxoplasmosis, or make those two things not reasonably likely to occur. You must uh, have a five log reduction um, and control of salmonella, and you must have a five log reduction and control of listeria if you are doing pork. If you are doing beef, you must control for shigatoxin E. coli, five log reduction of salmonella, five log reduction of uh, listeria, or making listeria not reasonably likely to occur. Okay? the end you must deal with those things if you want to learn more about those hazards um 
come and join us in meat and poultry HACCP class, <laughs> okay? Um, and if you want to talk about, like, just DM me, send an email, um, and, like, just, you know, we have, like, tons of people in that class, and they really, really love it. So, all that said, um, you can absolutely 110% make charcuterie without nitrates and nitrites. Can you do it through your current co-packer? Potentially not, if their HACCP plan is written with nitrates and nitrites. Can you do it um, with, can, can you make it without nitrates and nitrites um, without freezing the pork? I know a lot of you don't like to freeze the pork because you think it ruins the, the quality. I will tell you, if you freeze the pork after you dry it, it really, really doesn't. Um, the, and the answer is maybe, but the validation papers that I have um, for not freezing the pork and doing charcuterie, I'll use nitrates and nitrites. And so if you're not going to use nitrates and nitrites, you've got to either go find validation on um, getting rid of uh, uh, trichinellosis uh, without uh, using it. You can do that. There's a whole trichinella guideline. One of the things that you can do is you can buy pork from a PQA plus certified producer, okay? That is one way of doing it. I would love for more people in the universe to do that. I would love to, you know, like if you know people who want to get PQA+, we can do that in the power group as well. So bring your pork producing friends into the power group, guys. Um, and we, I'm happy to do that with a whole group of people, okay? So, but that's really what you've got to work on because salmonella control comes with acid washing your product and listeria control comes from keeping your facility clean. So that's really the dividing line of the question um, about nitrates and nitrites when it comes to pork. The other thing to consider, um, and, and I say this as somebody who, who has big opinions <laughs> on um, uh, how... I like my, um, my charcuterie to taste. When I eat charcuterie, I really like to taste the, 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 the pork, right? I like to taste the animal. Um, and so I'm a big believer in low and slow um, for salami and whole muscle cures um, because it allows the taste of the pork to come through. I don't mind nitrates and nitrites. I really don't look at it, um, but it's for a certain taste. It's for a certain kind of product. I really loathe nitrate-free bacon, like not even cured with celery salt or anything like that because it tastes like roasted pork. It's like smoked side meat. Okay, but that kind of tastes like roasted pork. If you want that bacony, hammy kind of taste, you got to use nitrates or nitrites. Okay, now, short diversion on that. Nitrites are used for 30 days and under. Nitrates are used for 30 days and over. Nitrates are converted to nitrites. Nitrites are converted to nitric oxide or nitrous oxide. Um, and then that's what fixes the myoglobin, gives it that pink color, and controls for the, bot uh, the, the botulinum toxin, okay? Or the perfringens toxin. So you also have to, you know, like, so in, in your salami, you also got to control for, for botulinum. You do not have to control for that in um, whole muscle cures. So those are all things that you have to think about. And a lot of those are quality factors and not 
food safety factors, <laughs> okay? Um, so just be cognizant, just be cognizant of that and talk to your, talk to your people, you know? I mean, there are a lot of people who want high-end charcuterie who think that they don't want nitrates and nitrates in it, but they really do because it may like not, you know, 14.99 pound bacon that tastes like roasted pork is not what most people are looking for, right? Um, and so you got to know your customers and know what they are doing, but it is absolutely 110% possible um, by and large using, you know, temperature control and some other things um, to make charcuterie without nitrates and nitrites. And the question is, is like, you know, what's your process and how do we modify your process so that you can? Um, okay. So that was the big question that I had uh, for office hours. If you have questions about that, there's lots of... Uh, Lots of good stuff out there. I recommend reading the Trigonella guideline. That's probably the biggest one um, around trying to figure trying to figure this out. Um, Appendix A, Appendix B. Um, we also got you. You can also read um, in talking about making charcuterie. Those those often come into play. So that is what we got, my friends, for office hours. So I love you all. I. Thank you are completely amazing and I look forward to talking to you again really soon. Bye guys. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in the proofing box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you all under the guidance of a food safety expert.